The Bible reading today is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe that the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the, his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be heard over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. But yeah, hi everyone, I am Jack, I'm the student uh, minister here, if, if I haven't met you. Um, and it's great now to be able to, to dive into, into God's Word together. Um, as we start, I want to ask you a question. Uh, can you think of a time when you saw something just absolutely amazing, something incredible? Uh, something so incredible that you just you couldn't take your eyes off it. It was so awe-inspiring. Uh, no, I'm not just talking about seeing the new Avengers movie. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, life-changing incredible. Something that changes your perspective. I have a cousin who came to visit a few years ago, uh, and he spent some time here in Adelaide before traveling down to Port Lincoln. And now my cousin is an avid fisherman. He loves fishing. He loves the ocean. Uh, and he has a boat that he takes out whenever he can. Uh, he goes wherever he can, whenever he can, uh, and he, um, yeah, to go fishing. Now, this one particular trip, he decided that it was a good idea to fulfill a fantasy that he had uh, of, um, of cage diving with great white sharks. Um, now, has anyone ever gone cage diving with, with, with sharks before, great whites? That's good. That's good. Because I think people that do that, are, you know, are a bit crazy. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But anyway, there's, a, there's this picture, right? It's not my cousin. He's not in that picture. Uh, but there's some people there cage diving with a great white shark. Uh, now, that shark is massive. And I think those people in that cage, as I said, are insane. Like, I could never do that kind of thing. Uh, but what gets me even more is the fact that there's someone who isn't in that cage, who's taking a photo of the people in that cage. Like, anyway, no thank you. Well, anyway, this, uh, this cousin of mine had this experience when he went cage diving with great white sharks. And when he came back down through Adelaide on his way home, uh, he said that it was one of the most awe-inspiring sights that he's ever seen. He was up close and personal with something that was much more powerful than he was and that could just in the snap of a finger end his life, if not for, you know, that flimsy looking cage that was protecting him. Inches away from something that powerful for him was one of the most amazing experiences he's had to this day. Now in this passage that we're reading today, uh, Paul wants the church in Ephesus uh, to get up close and personal uh, and be reminded of just the incomprehensible power of God. He wants them to be grown and to be energized by the power of God that we see in the resurrection of Christ from the dead. 
He wants them to know that he thanks God for them and that he prays that God may continue to be at work in them through his great power. And so this morning, as together we look at this passage and marvel at the work of God through Christ, how about I pray? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this time we have now to dive into your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for um, revealing yourself to us through your word, that you're not a distant God, but you speak to your people. And we pray that as now, as we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, that you'd be growing us in our knowledge and understanding of who you are as our great God and what it looks like to live in this world as your people. Amen. Uh, So next slide should pop up. Um, Paul begins in verse 15 of this passage by telling the church in Ephesus that he's thankful for them. Uh, And Paul says that he's, he's thankful for two things. The first is their faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, we're reminded last week of the glorious truth that for those who have faith in Christ, they're adopted as part of God's family. They have redemption, forgiveness from sin and life in Christ according to God's good purposes. So Paul is thankful for the faith that the Ephesians have in Christ. He's thankful for the life that this brings to them. The second thing that Paul is thankful for uh, is the love that the Ephesians show to all God's holy people. Uh, That is, that their faith in Christ has led to the practical application of showing love toward one another. And Paul is thankful to God for this. And he wants the Ephesians to know about this, uh, but it's not because he just, you know, wants to, to stroke their egos and tell them, you know, you're so amazing, you're so great, and leave it at that. It's that Paul sees attributes that he's thankful for in the Ephesians and he wants to foster uh, and, 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 and grow this. And he wants to spur them on to continue doing so. See, Paul isn't saying that the church in Ephesus is perfect. Uh, otherwise, later on in Ephesians, he wouldn't revisit their faith and their love. He reminds the Ephesians in chapter 2, uh, as we're looking at next week, that they aren't saved because they do all the right things and say all the right things, but because they've put their faith in the one who has the power to save them. And later on, Paul tells the Ephesians that he prays that they would uh, be rooted and established in love. So Paul is thankful that the Ephesians have faith in Christ and show love to one another. But this is not to stroke their egos, it's to encourage them to continue doing so. And Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, for these qualities. When's the, the last time, if ever, you went up to someone uh, and you said to them, uh, I thank God for you. I thank God for this that I've seen in your life. I don't know if someone's come up to you and done that to you. Uh, it's such an encouraging thing knowing that, um, that someone is thanking God for a quality they see in your life. Not that it just comes about because you're a great person, but a quality that's come about because of the work of God in your life. It's another person-centered kind of statement that here at the beginning of his letter, Paul has rejoiced in the work of God in the lives of the Ephesians, and now he's rejoicing in what the Ephesians themselves are doing. He doesn't cut to their shortcomings, but he sees the qualities in the church that bring him thanksgiving and that he'd love to see more of. Now, if you were to encourage someone in in one particular area of their life, uh, can you see how that would lead them to want to continue pursuing that quality. That's what Paul is doing here by telling the Ephesians that he's not stopped being thankful for them. doesn't mean that Paul's you know, entire attention is focused on praying 24-7 for the Ephesians because you know um, he had to have a little bit of time to help evangelize half of the known world. 
Um, as you know, kept him pretty busy, I hear. But when he does pray, he thinks of the church in Ephesus and he thanks God for them, for the love of others and for the faith that they have in God. Now, for the last uh, couple of years, as I was taking part in the MAP program here, uh, on Tuesdays, I'd meet uh, with Amanda and Mike and we'd have our staff meetings. Uh, because of what I'm doing now, uh, I can't really go to those Tuesday meetings anymore, which is sad. But I can tell you that one of the things that we thanked God for when we thought about Grove, and one of the things I still thank God for when I think about our church and the people here, is the love that you have. It's uh, something that I've benefited from myself uh, and that I've seen other people benefit from as well. And as Paul wanted to spur the church in Ephesus to continue in this, I want to spur all you guys on to continue doing this as well. Continue showing the love for one another that Christ has shown to you that has come about because of the faith you have in Christ as your Lord and Saviour. So Paul is thankful for the church in Ephesus and it's from this vantage point of thankfulness for the faith of the Ephesians and thankfulness of their love for one another that Paul speaks of what he... Uh, but he also prays for the Ephesians. This is a prayer that ultimately points to the great power of God and the unity that the church in Ephesus, uh, and indeed us as well, have under Christ. So Paul prays for two things. That is on the next slide. Um, Paul prays for the spirit of wisdom for the church and for revelation in the knowledge of God. And secondly, Paul prays that the church would know the hope to which they have been called. Now, the, uh, the prayer for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, uh, both of these things stem from how God has already worked in the lives of the church in Ephesus. It stems from what God in his great power has already done for them. See, in his sovereignty, he has worked that they might know him and have faith in him, that they might have life. And the spirit of wisdom here uh, refers to the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who are part of God's people. And those who have put their trust in Jesus and have received the Holy Spirit, which in verse 13 of chapter 1 tells us is the seal or the mark that guarantees our future with God. So Paul prays that the Holy Spirit would be at work in the lives of the Ephesians. That it would continue to reveal things about God. That they may grow in knowing God and that in growing uh, in their knowledge of who God is, but the second thing that Paul prays for may come to pass. That if, as the Spirit works in the Ephesians, um, that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, that they may know the hope to which they've been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Uh, when I was in year 12, my eyes started to go bad. Um, things on the whiteboard started getting pretty blurry. I had to squint pretty hard to be able to see what was written in front of me. Um, then I remember getting my first pair of glasses walked into class and I sat down and I put those glasses on my head uh, and then suddenly uh, things just became clearer. Without straining my eyes, uh, the blurry images on the whiteboard, you know, I figured out they weren't actually words written by an alien or in another language, but they're words that I could read and understand and words that I could learn from. So Paul here is praying that the eyes of the hearts of the Ephesians may be opened more widely, that they may see more clearly. He's praying that what they know of God already would come into sharper focus. That they'd have those glasses through which they can see, know and understand God. And he wants this not just to be, be a head knowledge, but something that they know in their hearts. 
And now for me, uh, having those glasses made it possible for me to see what was written down on the board, but understanding it and applying it, that's still a task I had to undertake. And for the Ephesians, what Paul wants them to see and understand is that what is revealed in God is a hope in the future to which they're called. A hope that is tied up in faith in Christ and the revelation of how God has acted through Jesus on our behalf to bring redemption and forgiveness of sins. So we can call ourselves gods. We can call ourselves his children. And what do we learn from the last part of verse 18 when it talks about the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Well, we learn from that that we're actually God's treasured possession. God's people are his inheritance. And we get to enjoy this truth together now in the present and in the future. Has a couple of uh, implications for what we've read so far from the book of Ephesians. Let's focus on this one for now. If we belong to God in this way, it speaks volumes to the way that God views us. That we are precious to him. Now the Bible doesn't in any way lead us toward an understanding that the way God views us is to do with how good we are, you know, our good conduct and our greatness. Uh, In fact, if you turn over to chapter 2 at the start there, you'll see that before God acted to save us, it tells us that we were dead in our transgressions. That is to say, we we were completely hopeless and lost, in no position to help ourselves. We were dead in our transgressions because we'd turned away from God. And yet God acted so that we might be saved. And from what we read here in verse 18, you can know that you are God's treasured possession. He loves you. And this is fantastic news for all of us to hear today. Uh, For those of you who've who've placed uh, your trust in Jesus Christ, well, we get to look forward to this hope, knowing that our future is secure in Christ. And for those of you who are here today who maybe haven't taken that step yet to faith in him, well, at the least, this is good news that is worth pursuing. Now, don't leave those questions unanswered that you have about Jesus, but ask those questions. We run a course here called the Life Course, uh, which gives you an opportunity to find out a bit more about who Jesus is and to ask a lot of questions about him. If you'd be interested in coming along to one of those courses, uh, there's just a box that you can tick on the communication card. And you can either hand that in or just come and have a chat to myself or Mike or Amanda or Peter or the person that you came with. We'd love to see you there. But if you're here today and and you want to put your faith in Christ, uh, don't keep quiet about it. You know, come and chat about it because from what Paul says here in this letter, the Lord of all creation wants you to know him. And he's acted in the most powerful way imaginable to make it possible for you to know him. And I talked about my cousin uh, cage diving with those sharks and seeing just the great power and being in absolute awe of that. Well, that's nothing to witnessing and knowing the working of God's great power through which Christ was raised from death to life and through which we too can have life. So Paul now having established the thankfulness he has to God for the Ephesians and his praying for them, that God may continue working in the church to bring them closer to himself. He continues speaking of the great power of God. Paul starts by reminding them that God has already accomplished the impossible. Christ has been raised from death to life. And not only has he been raised from from the dead, 
that he's been given all authority over everything. He's been established as the head of the church, his body of which we are a part. On the next slide there. Raised Christ from the dead, given him authority, and established Christ as head of the church, his body. So God who has the power to accomplish these things, and who has already accomplished these things, is still at work in his church today, through this same power. And Paul wants the church in Ephesus to see that God works in us with this same power that he worked in the resurrection of Jesus. He wants them to understand the unity that this brings to those who are in Christ, as they look in awe at what he has accomplished. And this establishes two points I think it's important for us to to focus on together. The first is this, on the next slide, that we can make no claims to greatness, but we lean completely on God and on his power. Uh, You know, one of the the great tragedies when you're reading through uh, the church uh, throughout history uh, has been people's attraction to, to power and the subsequent abuse of that power by some which has affected the many. So Paul's reminder to the Ephesians of the headship of Christ over the church is not to give them, you know, that feeling of of arrogance or dispassionate judgment and abuse of those who don't know Christ and of those um, who are in need. And remember, Paul is thankful for the Ephesians' love and points them to God's power through which he saves sinful people, of whom the Christians in Ephesus are part and of who we are part. Saved only, as Paul points out in chapter 2, by God's grace. So without Christ, we, we have nothing. But in his great love for us, God has made it possible for us to partake in eternity in his presence. With full knowledge and understanding of our God as we worship him into eternity. See, we can make no claims to greatness. We lean completely on God and on his power to save. Uh, secondly, Christ's headship over the church means that, well, we want what he wants, not the other way around. See, part of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians was thanking God for their love for one another and for the faith that they have in Christ. They trust in Christ as their saviour, their king, and so they are to pursue what he wants, not what they want. And as the Bible makes clear again and again, well, he wants more people to turn to him, to respond to God's grace, To find life. Now Paul prays that God would reveal more of himself to the Ephesians. That they may know the hope to which they have been called. To grow in their wisdom and knowledge out of the revelation of God. Now this is something we should be praying for one another too as a church. See Christ's headship over the church means that we want what he wants. Not the other way around. I mean that's why we have these banners up. Uh, every Sunday to keep reminding us of what we're on about as a church. That we exist alone to bring glory to God, not to ourselves. That is, we exist to exalt his name above all others and point everyone to him. So this same power that God worked in Christ to bring salvation into the world, uh, the same message of salvation that Paul had to share as an apostle, is a message that we have today. And that we have responded to. This gospel of salvation. We are part of the body of Christ. Of which he is the head. 
As Paul has prayed for the church in Ephesus, that they would have the eyes of their hearts opened, that they may know God more. Well, is this a prayer that, that you have for one another? Because it's something that we too should be praying. And not only that, it's something we should continue to actively pursue together as we gather around God's word in order to learn more about him and what it looks like to live as his people on this earth. So share in this together. Talk about what you're learning. If you're keeping up with the readings from, uh, from the Bible Project, uh, talk about what you've uh, been learning and what you've been getting out of those readings. If you're really behind on it, like I am, uh, still talk about what you're learning and what you're reading. Or even out of uh, the series that we've been going through on Ephesians or before this, Luke. But also remember to ask each other questions about it. So it's, not, it's, it's, it's okay not to understand everything uh, as soon as you read it. Or if you've been thinking about joining a community group, but you haven't taken that plunge yet, uh, do so. Gather together around God's word. You can go and talk to Pete Lockery, uh, who organizes those groups. Find out some more info about how you can join one. Let's be a church together that actively wants to pursue growing in knowledge of who God is together. And let's pray that the Holy Spirit would be at work in our lives, revealing more and more of who he is and what we have in Jesus. So we want our lives to be soaked in God's word. That as by the Spirit, as God reveals more of himself to us, uh, we see more and more clearly the hope to which we've been called, the inheritance in the saints that has come about according to his incredible power that not even death could conquer. Now to finish, how about I pray that he will grow us in our knowledge of himself as we live as his people. Uh, and the band's going to come up now. Um, and after I play, pray, we're going to respond by singing a song, May the Mind of Christ, uh, My Saviour. A song that we sing together as God's people, asking that he'd be growing us in our knowledge of him and helping us to live for him each day. So as the band comes up, how about I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great love that you have for us, that you've shown to us through your son, Jesus. Thank you for the life that we can have in him. Lord, we gaze in awe at what you have done for us through him, at the power of the resurrection of Christ that brings life to all. We thank you that you are a God who speaks to his people. We pray that as a church and as individuals, we'd be seeking to know you more and more, that you would give us wisdom and knowledge of who you are as our God and what it looks like to live for you. Amen.